Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Elite Fantasy Podcast on Sunday, August 6th. I am your guy, Little Italy, and I am back to keep this fantasy preview train rolling. Today, we're going to look at an AFC East team in the Miami Dolphins, and we're going to look at my guys, the Las Vegas Raiders, and their fantasy outlook for the 2020 season. News-wise, we got a bombshell on Friday dropped as Darius Geis is no longer the running back of the Washington football team. He has been accused and charged of strangulation, domestic violence, assault and battery, among other things. So the team has moved on from him. So giddy up Antonio Gibson, the backfield, could potentially be yours. We got Bryce Love, we got Adrian Peterson. But we're going to see how that shakes out. But I like I like the odds of Antonio Gibson emerging in that backfield to start off his career with an impact. Another impact that we're a player we got a lot of buzz coming out of the weekend, Brian Edwards. And that's fitting because we're going to jump on his team right now. Now to start looking at this Las Vegas Raider team, I want to first focus on the backfield. Last season, rookie Josh Jacobs looked pretty damn good. He showed toughness. He showed elusiveness. You know, he played he played most of the season with that cracked shoulder. And ultimately, he was taken off the field by his coaching staff. Not because he wanted to. He fought through the pain. It was a miserable pain for him, self-admittedly, but he wanted to prove his toughness, and he did. But, like I said, the staff ultimately took him off the field to the dismay of many of his owners who hated it at the time, but it was done to preserve his young career, his bright future in this league. I think he enters 2020 with a viable shot at eclipsing close to 300 carries in this offense. I only got... Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott ahead of him in projected carries. He's going to need these projected or this high projected number of carries because the team just doesn't. Last year they didn't use him in the passing game, which it was puzzling because at his time in Alabama, that's what he was a specialist in. He was a very good pass catching back. Now, Mike Mayock, Mayock has stated this offseason on a number of occasions that phase two of this, his progression as a pro, he's going to be more utilized in the passing attack. And that's well and good because this would make him a solid top RB1. Like I'm talking top five, top six. If this was to be true, I don't believe it though. I, You look at it, they bring in Lynn Bowden Jr., who is a do-it-all Swiss Army knife, and they re-signed Jalen Richard, the team's pass-catching back, their hurry-up back. Now, Josh Jacobs is far above Jalen Richard in terms of talent and overall skills at the position. So I don't know what their infatuation is. I don't know if it's, they want to keep Jacobs as fresh as possible. I'm not sure. So I'm a little skeptical that they're going to start using him more in the passing game. I think, like right now, I got him projected with 40 grabs, which is a lot. So it's showing you that I'm a little bit more bullish than others that 
he'll be used here. I got him projected for 40 catches, for 310 yards and two scores. But I got him rushing for 1,310 yards and 10 touchdowns. That would make him a solid top RB1. And he's a bit of a value because he's going to, you know, end of the second round, sometimes the beginning of the third round. So this type of projection, he'd make a perfect round two running back. You start you start the draft with a Joe Mixon and you come back around and you grab a Josh Jacobs. That's a solid one-two punch right there. Now, in terms of this passing attack, there can't be any other quarterback out there close to the disrespected that Derek Carr is. He just seems to be the media's favorite quarterback to throw under the bus. You know, every season it seems like he's going to be um, replaced. John Gruden doesn't like him. Gruden likes him. If he didn't, he'd be gone. Yes, they went out and got Marcus Mariota, but I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about Marcus Mariota. He makes a solid backup, which is good. And, you know, he might light that fire under Carr's ass a little bit, which we need. Now, despite all the negative negativity surrounding Carr, he saw it as a pretty solid quarterback two last year. He finished 16th. Year before, he finished two spots lower as the 18th quarterback. 2016, he was in talk in the talk for the um, NFL MVP. Raiders went 12 and four that season. Carr breaks his leg, ruins their. They were out in the first round. They lose to Houston, but he looked unbelievable. Everyone in the league and everyone in fantasy loved Derek Carr. Now the thing with Derek Carr that's frustrating. It just seems like he's very reluctant to throw that deep ball. And it's puzzling because he's very accurate. He is in the, what was it, 2018, I believe, PFF had him ranked top three in deep ball accuracy. So he, he's very good on these throws. It's just getting him to do it. The thing with Carr is he doesn't let the play develop. And I don't know if that has to go back to that broken leg back in 2016 because, not to shift gears real quick, but he was very good as a runner early in his career. As a rookie and whatnot, he, he, he ran, and he's very good at running. But ever since he broke that leg, it just seems like he doesn't want to risk it. He's very cautious. He doesn't want to force the ball. That's why his interceptions are low. He doesn't want to push the ball downfield into tight spots that may be picked off. I think he needs to. Don't go full-born Jameis Winston or anything. I think he's, he's, very, he's very good at it. And I think he needs to let these plays develop more because he's very quick to get the ball out of his hands. Yes, the coaching staff likes that. You know, they don't hold the ball and take sacks. But you got to let the plays develop. That's why his A dot is so slow or low. It's very low. So if he just opened up this offense a little bit, I think he could be back to that MVP, shut your critics up. He needs to put up or shut up this year. I think from the recent interviews over the weekend, Carr has said he's disrespected. There was no question he wasn't going to play this season. He wants to shut his critics up. And I think he's got the talent around him now that he can do it. Because last year, Antonio Brown blew up their whole plan. 
so that put that whole offense behind the eight ball that thrusted Tyrell Williams into that number one role. Tyrell Williams isn't a number one receiver. He flourishes as that complementary rotational wide receiver, that deep threat who uses his long speed. I think we're going to see him back in that role this season. I see him not being in the team's plans next year. I see rookie Brian Edwards, the guy I alluded to at the Open. I think he has a very sneaky good first year on the outside in the X position. That's right. I think he's going to open this season from what the news is. I think he's going to open as the Raiders X receiver. And this kid has the talent that would have made him a first-round pick if it wasn't for his injured foot that pushed him down into the third round. That's why the team jumped on him. See, I think the team took Ruggs first overall knowing they could use that value later in the draft to get Edwards as that big-bodied receiver on the outside. That's just Mayock being smart. That's He's a guru in the draft room. He really is. Edwards has comped to... Demarius Thomas. He's Carr himself has comped him to former teammate Devontae Adams. Former coaches said that watching him play reminds him of AJ Green. So those are three very good wide receivers and three very good receivers from fantasy perspective. So if this is to be true, he's very physical. He's a physical route runner. I think he could be a very big red zone threat this year. Henry Ruggs, team's first overall pick. He was the first receiver taken. And it was a little puzzling at first. You know, as a fan, you hear Henry Ruggs' name called, and then you're like, oh, no, come on. Here we go again. But when you take that fan hat off and you put that analytical hat on, it kind of makes sense. See, there's a misconception with Ruggs. He is, you know, misconstrued as this deep threat. Fast as hell, deep threat. No, that's not who Ruggs is. Yeah, he's fast as hell, but he has low dot. He's a low dot guy. He's a guy that should get the ball in his hands quickly and let him do his thing after the catch. This is why they took him as their first receiver. He fits that Gruden West Coast philosophy perfectly. He meshes well with Carr's skill set. And what's interesting and troubling at the same time is they said Ruggs, Greg Olson, offensive coordinator, said that Ruggs is going to be playing in the slot a lot in 2020. It's troubling because the slot was Hunter Renfro's territory last season. So, with that said, this is how I project this going on. I think it's going to be Edwards and Williams on the outside. You're going to have Ruggs on the inside in the slot. That's going to force Hunter Renfro off to the side. Now, Hunter, the football librarian is what I like to call him. And he's sure-handed. You know, you date back to his time at Clemson. He was very reliable. They used him on third down. Anytime they needed a first down or a big play, they went to Hunter Renfro. He has that knack just to find 
that open spot on the field, catch the ball and get down. He's very good. And he, he was a late season gem last year. Led many people to fantasy titles, myself included. However, as far as this season, uh, he's a late round guy, but give me Paris Campbell or give me Curtis Samuel in the 14th over Hunter Renfro all day long. Just because of the uncertainty. If Ruggs is going to be in the slot, I just don't see him lining up on the outside. He's just he's just not made for that. He's made for the slot. He doesn't have that look as an outside receiver. So I would temper expectations on Hunter Renfro, and I'd actually pass on him in redraft. Ruggs, I got him coming in 45th ranked. I think he offers the most value this this out of this receiving group that is going to be very impactful in fantasy right out the gate. I mean, people are taking C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy over him right now, and I think that's a mistake right now because I think he's got volume coming his way. He's got a clear path to fantasy, higher fantasy finish than any other receiver, really. So, like I said, I would rank this... Receiver group, Ruggs, Edwards, Williams, Renfro. Darren Waller, tight end. Finishes the number two tight end last season in fantasy. Just because Kittle missed time. We have him coming in ranked fifth. Because we can't quite put him in that top three. I don't see the volume being there like it was last year. The addition of... Ruggs, Edwards, Bowden, especially if Ruggs goes to the slot, oh, that's going to not only hurt Renfro, that's going to hurt Waller as well. I think he's being overvalued by people, and they're going to be very disappointed in drafting him as early as they do this season. Yes, like I said, he was heavily targeted last year, saw a lot of volume, but it was only because Renfro was the only other pass catcher there. So they needed him. It was out of necessity that they force-fed him the ball. But this year, I think he's going to disappoint. I would much rather take a shot on Hayden Hurst later in drafts than being disappointed with Darren Waller. Now to shift gears, this Miami team is pretty simple. It's pretty cut and dry. We start in the passing game. It's obvious that this Dolphins team are setting themselves up for long-term success, finally. The GM really has a good head on his shoulders, and I kind of like Brian Flores as a coach. He just is that no-nonsense guy. He, he just knows what he wants. He knows how he wants to run his team, and the players are buying in, and I like it. So you look at the quarterback position. They go and draft Tua. He was crazy efficient last year, and he was well-deserving of that high draft pick that the Dolphins used on him. Now, the thing with Tua is that we all know he's not starting week one. Fitzmagic is there. Fitzmagic is going to take him under his wing. I think it's going to take no more than six weeks. I think before six weeks, hell, it could be four weeks, I think Tua is going to be the guy under center. And it's going to be exciting to see what he can do with the nice weapons that he has around him. 
you know, Tua is a nice dynasty target. Redraft, I think he's only viable in two quarterback leagues, not one. I'm not looking at him in single redraft or one starting quarterback leagues. I can't do it. I got him ranked 31st coming into the season. I have him projected with 2,725 passing yards and 14 touchdowns. So, dynasty. That's where we're going to target him. Pass catchers. Devontae Parker. Holy cow, he finally broke out. After just about giving up on him, he finally broke up. It took him four and a half years, basically, but he did it. Because you look at the start of last season, mm -mm, it wasn't looking good. Then Williams goes down. Then Parker blows up. Even Gasecki, his numbers go up. You, you see, the thing with Williams is, he was, Preston Williams, he was by far the better wideout, the best wideout they had before he went down with that knee injury. I truly believe if Williams stayed healthy, Parker doesn't break out. I really don't see it happening. See, Williams was a first, has, he was graded as a first round talent coming in to the league. But that was the off-field concerns that pushed him down the board. He led that team in targets, yards, and receptions over the first half of the season. The only knock we really had on Williams was he needs to clean up his catches. He dropped a lot of balls. Not a lot, but he dropped enough to be a pain. But he still was that team's number one receiver, and it was clear. And I think that continues now. Back to Parker now. He had four top 10 finishes from week 11 on. One was in week 17, but whatever. He still had it. This would see him finishing as the, what was it, number 11 fantasy receiver in 2019. I don't think he's going to see anywhere close to that finish in 2020. With Williams back, I just don't see where he is coming close to the price tag right now that he's currently costing us to draft him. I would much rather have Preston Williams over Devonta Parker. I really would. I just think Williams is the better player. I think Williams is going to be better in this offense. I think Williams is far superior on draft day, value and all that. That's who I'm targeting. I think Parker's going to revert back to that disappointment that we grew accustomed to him having. And the same can pretty much be said for Gasecki as well. Now, we know from his time in Happy Valley, it took him a while to grasp that offense on the college level. It took him three years to fully break out. Well, it kind of seems like he's on that same path in the pros. Is he going to be as good as he was down the stretch last year? I mean, we have him ranked 11th. He's at back-end tight end one, high-end tight end two. But the thing with Gusecki is he was very inefficient in 2019. He was ranked 30th in yards per route run. Prior to Preston Williams going down last year, Gusecki, like I said, was a non-factor. Most weeks he was that team's 
third and fourth target. And with this ADP currently of him going in the 10th round or later, this is a tough call for us. His inefficiency in 2019, coupled with the return of Preston Williams, you really it really puts a damper on his upside. But could you do worse? Yes. I would I would not be very comfortable relying on him week to week as my starter in redraft. I think in time, I think he'll make for a good tight end in this league. He's been comped Travis Kelsey. He has that skill, so it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, he's a tough call. But we're going to look at the backfield. Not much appeal here. Howard will be that thunder, while Breda will be that lightning in that backfield. It's obvious that Brian Flores kind of wants to run this power run uh, offensive scheme. It will be interesting to see how Howard does. This is how I see it going, because this is who Jordan Howard is. I think he's going to have weeks of heavy volume. He's going to have a lot of games, you know, let me back up for a second. Brian Flores is kind of like, he comes from that Belichick coaching tree who is week to week. They scheme for opponent. So if their opponent is weak defending the run, Howard's going to have a big week, I think. I think he could have a couple games a season where he sees 20 to 30 carries a game. Okay, this will be great for fantasy. Now, there will be other weeks where they're going to be throwing the ball. And I think they're going to be behind a lot. This defense has improved, but they still need work to do. Um, I think they're going to be throwing the ball. They're going to be playing catch-up. This is going to be hurting Howard's value. So, like I said, Braid is there. He figures to be that pass-catching specialist in that backfield. He's quick on the outside. He's good as a pass catcher, as we've seen in his time with the Niners. But the thing with Breda, he can't stay healthy. He just can't stay on the field. So this backfield, yeah, I think deep leagues, Howard could be a nice late, later round value, you know, your mid-rounds, mid-round value. Um, I think he, he will have weeks of upside, but there's far better options out there. And I'm not even looking at Breda just because he can't stay healthy. So I think we covered everybody we needed to for the Dolphins as well. Tua, like I said, dynasty prospect. Williams, far better option at receiver. I do have Parker ranked ahead of him. I got Parker 33rd. We got Williams at 50th. Parker, we got projected 63 catches, 910 yards, and 6 touchdowns. Williams, 60 catches, 830 yards, and 7 touchdowns. So I actually have Williams with one more touchdown than Parker. Gusecki, I think you temper expectations. There will be weeks where he offers you nice value and nice points. And there's going to be other weeks where he could be that 3-for-32 stinker with no score that we hate. So... I think that's going to be the Dolphins in 2020. 
So there we have it folks, we can cross off the Dolphins, we can cross off the Raiders and this fantasy choo-choo train of preview for the fantasy season is chugging along. Next time we're going to cover two more squads, we're going to check out their fantasy assets and we're going to look at their outlook. But as an always reminder to you guys, head on over to TheElitePhantasy.com and check out all our exciting content, our team preview guides our best bet series, our league winner series, our rankings, our cheat sheets, we got it all going. I just released an article on Tariq Cohen and why he is a league winner. You read it, you're going to be smitten with him. Trust us. We got two or three other players over there. We're going to release our next one this week. We're going to look at another article I'm going to release here probably tomorrow. I know I said I'd have it out last week, but it's going to be tomorrow I promise it's going to be 32 breakout candidates for the 2020 season a lot of good names on there a lot of good targets but you're going to like it trust me but that'll do it for the Elite Fantasy Podcast on a Sunday I am your guy Little Italy and I am out